Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Boardroom Buddies podcast. Each podcast is themed and I interview and ask questions from a specialist who's also the owner of a small business, just like us. If you're a business owner of a micro business, then I hope that this sparks your thinking, answers some questions that you may have, and that you get some tips on the subject that helps you move your business forwards. I do hope that you enjoy the podcast. I very much enjoyed recording it. Hello and welcome to this week's Boardroom Buddies podcast. So I'm not quite sure where to start with my guest this week. I'm a bit in awe of her, to be honest. I guess the first question is to kind of frame it really is, have you realised that your website isn't selling enough for you or not selling at all? You know who your target client is, but when you come to put it into a website, it's not communicating your brand and your message in the right way. Um, this week's guest might be able to offer you some solutions around that and give you some pointers. So worth a listen. So I'll now talk a little bit more about my guest this week, who is the amazing Josie Gamble of Gamble Designs. And she is amazing and, and she doesn't know it because, well, when I started to read her website page about all the things that she does and has achieved, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm going to take several minutes to do this. So first of all, Josie is a creative entrepreneur. She's a designer and she's a speaker and recently a speaker on TEDx Wolverhampton which is fabulous. 2022, she was listed amongst the Telegraph NatWest top 100 female entrepreneurs to watch. And in 2023, which is this year, she won a Midlands Enterprise Award Best Brand Design Agency. She's a trustee for Christians in Media and frequently speaks and comments on the Premier Christian Radio. She has a first class honours degree in industrial product design. So I will ask you about that, Josie, and how that is different from other product design. And has also overcome personal challenges such as dyslexia and wearing hearing aids. So we'll get to talk about a little bit about that. And she actually started a business when she was pregnant with her first child. And as if that wasn't enough, she is also creator of the Christian Creative Network and the Christian Creative Directory. So after all of that, I think I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird hearing all of that about me. It's like, oh, <laughs> a few things. Hello, Josie, and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Jackie. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay. Right, Josie, um, I've got a lot of questions <laughs> going to fire at you. First of all, why did you start a design business? Good question. So I've always known I was creative and enjoyed the creative subjects at school. I guess at school, primary is art and painting and secondary school, you might get a little bit more into kind of designing technology. And those subjects, I always they always made me come alive and I excelled at them and you couldn't get me out of the workshops. So I've always known that I then went on after my A-levels. In fact, I did maths, physics and art as an A-level because I oh, wanted right. to be an architect. But they got put off by that when I saw the boring jobs that they have to do, like pinning walls together and 
fixing gutters and things like that. I thought, actually, no, I don't want that side of things. So I went to, I did art foundation course for a year, which you get to explore all the different types of design and art and much less restrictive than than at school, which is painting and drawing. It was there, my tutors um, said that I would be really suited to industrial product design. And so I did a design degree uh, here at Wolverhampton University. I loved it. Again, you couldn't get me out of the studios. Graduated first class honours. I was invited to then lecture back at the university. So I then lectured there for seven years on industrial product design and the interior design course. I'm not an interior designer. I just taught three-dimensional modelling with the computers. So I've always been in the arts and design and so it was a real natural it was a natural progression but I did kind of feel pushed into it so I'd always said that when I started a family I wanted to work from home but when it actually came to it I had two jobs for seven years lecturing at the university and I worked for a charity and quite by chance they both came to an end at exactly the same time as I was pregnant with my first child we hadn't told anybody because it was still under the 12 weeks. And so I was in a position where I was pregnant, no job. I, I frantically went out looking for work. and But by the time I had interviews, I was you know, showing. And whilst people can't discriminate, you know, it's quite hard to employ an imminent uh, lady yeah. who's about to imminently give birth. So I kind of always said I wanted to work from home. Uh, mm. and it would be design related. And I knew I, I wanted to kind of... Even at university, I thought I'm going to go the kind of computer route because I can work from home on a computer. Yes. Um, I had the choice. We could have gone a maker route where you become more of a a designer maker. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't picture myself working from home with a studio and Mm. metal filings on the floor with a baby crawling around. (laughs) So, So in one sense, I always knew I was going to go this route. But in another sense, I felt quite kind of pushed into it. It it wasn't comfortable. But that was 16 years ago and I haven't looked back. Brilliant, brilliant. So actually, you started your business the same year that we started our main business as well. So Yeah, good year, a good year to start businesses. <laughs> so I saw from your website that you, industrial product design. So, so how is that different from product design? It's well it is product design I think even when I was doing my degree the actual degree itself had two names because people didn't know what it was so the official title was industrial product design but it was also called woods metals plastics and essentially your graphic design is more two-dimensional whereas product design it's anything that potentially as a product to sell and because we worked in the workshops we made you know we worked with plastics and resins and we'd make models and maquettes so if you can understand how something is made you can then design it for a manufacturing purpose so it's more industrial orientated after our first year we could go industrial Mm -hmm. or craft and that's where if you went craft you would become more of a maker crafter more of an artisan maker whereas the industrial was with more kind of mass production in mind so and in that route there was a lot of computer generated three-dimensional designing so we would model it three-dimensionally and do animations and render it and and I was drawn to the computer side of it I love making you can't stop me making but I didn't want to go that route to for a living I I really was attracted by the computer side of things so I guess that's the industrial part of it I guess 
Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. But of course, that's not really what you do in your business. Your business is about helping clients to communicate what they stand for, I guess. Um, yes. In their business. Yeah. So in, in what I've done for the last 16 years is brand, graphic and web design. So I think with creative subjects, a lot of the skills are transferable. So the you know the same research I'd need to to research a, a product if there was a gap in the market is the same kind of research you're researching for your clients. Well, what are the gaps they're trying to fill? The communication of that is the same skills I learned with. So I, I work in Photoshop and Illustrator and InDesign. I use websites. So it's design and communication but maybe not with the making. <laughs> so a lot of creative people are quite good at cross, trans, you know, transferring into a different discipline because it takes the same eye, the same appreciation. You know, a lot of musicians are maybe painters or artists um, yes. and photographers because it, it kind of, it's all the same skill set, but maybe a slightly different outworking of the skill. Right. Um, Right, right. So what are the sort of things that you do for your clients then? So I help them with their brand identity. So it's all, everybody knows they need a brand, but not everybody knows what brand is. So mm -hmm. I, I landed on a phrase, I can't remember who said it a few years ago, and I use it all the time because it just kind of puts it in simple terms. Your brand is how people talk about you when you're not there. Right. And all marketing is teaching people how to talk about you. So if you were to ask 10 people what your business is and you got 10 different answers, you've got a weak brand. If you ask 10 people and they gave you the same answer, you've got a really strong brand because you've been able to communicate it in a way that others can communicate it on. And that's all I do with my clients, but I do that through visual. So we, the, the brand is a visual identity, but it's also the tone of voice in the language. It's the wording you use. It's understanding who you're trying to reach, who is your audience, because we can't reach everyone. So mm -hmm. you, it's so I take them through a whole process. Mm -hmm. And at the end, they'll have a visual identity, which would include a logo, um, the colours, the tone, the, the imagery. And then from that, we can produce flyers and brochures and signage. And from that, we can produce a website, which then communicates all of that brand in the best possible way to the right audience, with call to action so that they've got something to do, not just looking at the site that might be pretty mm. to be found. So it, it's kind of, it encompasses a lot of stuff, but it, it really is drawing on all my visual design and art background right yeah yeah so so the whole kind of brand package um do you help them with websites and brochures and things like that yes yes so I build websites I build exclusively in WordPress there, there's lots of different platforms but that's the one I landed on and, and have just loved and just I just work with that so I will buy the domain names, sort out the hosting, um, work with the client on the, what the you know what pages they're going to have, what, what's what's going to look like on the page, and like I build it. So I do the whole thing. I'm a sole trader, so I, I just pour everything into it. And I love it because, particularly for someone who's starting up a business, until they can see it, it still feels very much in their head. Yes. And all of a sudden, when you go, here's your website, they're like. Oh, 
I'm a real business. <laughs> yeah. and they, and they, often they'll say it's like Christmas, like opening up this thing. Like when they get their business cards delivered, they're like, oh, this is me. And it almost validates what they've seen for so long in their head. But then to see it visualized, it's like, oh, that's it. This is me. And then it just gives them that platform to build their business from. Yeah. Because all businesses is communicating a service, a product, a story, but they have the the design and the branding and the website. It's that's the vehicle that delivers the message. Yeah. So I've always said I'm really nosy. I just love I love talking to business owners and finding out about businesses. Yeah. Because there's so many websites I've built that I'm like I never even knew that existed. <laughs> and so I just like talking to people and helping. Mm-hmm. I design solutions for them. And yeah. That's kind of what I do. So you talked about printing there. So do you work with other people to you know, yes. collaborate with yeah. other professionals yes. too? So I work with photographers because we yeah. have great imagery for yeah. any flyers or websites. I work with copywriters who are word wizards. What I find is most people who are good at words aren't good at images. And most people who are good at images aren't good at words. So we're, we kind of yes. need each other. Yeah. I work with programmers and developers. If there's real complex backend programming that needs doing for a particular function on a website. Oh, I work right. with okay. Drone photographers. If, if we're oh, right. to the website and we need drone photography, animators, motion graphics. Oh, gosh. Um, oh. So, yes, yeah, so I, I collaborate with lots of different other creative services to kind of pull it all together yeah. uh, and, and deliver for the client. Yeah, and presumably you'll work with a the marketeer then as well. <laughs> yes, sometimes I, I would tend to maybe with a marketer, I tend to maybe pass them on as a referral because it's slightly then stretching into something else that that it's not in the initial deliverable. So marketing is more the ongoing. And so I might produce a brand style guide that then gets passed on to the marketer and then yeah. the client will work with them moving forward. And many people say, oh, could you do my social media marketing? I'm like, but, but that's a completely different ball game. <laughs> yeah. I have enough doing my own, enough trouble doing my own. But I'll set I'll set up their social media visuals so it all looks consistent across every platform, okay. set them up, I can train them on it. But it's very much the upfront bit and then move on. I'm not a maintainer. I've learned that about myself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So we touched on in the intro about the challenges that you've overcome on a personal level so you said that you were hearing aids so uh, that's been with you all your life yes so I've worn here I'm 45 and I've worn hearing aids probably for 40 years yeah so in primary school I started wearing them I think it it, we're not entirely sure nowadays my my daughter's popped out and they stick something in their ear and they can test the hearing straight away with me they discovered at my three-year check that I wasn't hearing everything and they think it was probably an ear infection at some point I used to have quite a lot of ear infections as a child so so it's not hereditary so nobody else in my family has any hearing loss so yes there's natural things that come with that mm-hmm. I get you know with wearing glasses they missed up yes. uh, with, with wearing hearing aids if, if I'm outside and the wind is rushing past I, I can hear the howling wind so <laughs> there's little things that you just have to overcome if in fact, I was on a business call last night and my battery ran out on one of my hearing aids I literally had to say I'm really sorry I just need to change my hearing aid battery <laughs> <laughs> but I think with anything like that I've had to 
get over myself, get over any embarrassment. When I was younger, it was, you know, I'd wear my hair down and didn't yeah. want people to see. Yeah. Uh, and I think part of getting older is you just kind of, you're more comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. You develop the language to talk around it. And I think as a younger woman, I was still struggling with the language of mm. being comfortable with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Now I can talk about it and it, it's just, it's who I am. It's just part of my conversation. It doesn't bother me. There are challenges when answering phones or sitting in cars. I hear everything and I can't always hear the person in the front if I'm sat in the back. Yeah. But I know that so I can make provision for it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And now you can get hearing aids as well that will answer your phone for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love a personal hearing aid PA that does all my work for me. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah so was that it was more a personal kind of thing that you struggled with when you were you know kind of growing up and as you've matured as a woman yeah I think so but I think it's like with hearing you don't know what you miss (laughs) so you don't know what you've missed and I do probably there was probably within my education you know I'd have to sit at the front of the class but again you don't know what you miss so I'm sure it would have affected my schooling in ways that I may never know and that maybe there's a layer of confidence that it kind of knocked growing up but I think anything like that just teaches you resilience yes you you Mm. we face things in life and whether it's wearing hearing aids or something else there's always stuff that we need to breakthrough with yes. that resilience so so yeah it's, mm. it's I've had to kind of come to terms with and use as a strength not a weakness yes yeah and is that the same for the dys- dyslexia yes although I'm slightly of the opinion that because a lot of creative people are dyslexic mm. and I actually think that is what makes us good at being creative yeah so I've actually never seen it as a disability in any sense in that sense because my brain just works in a certain way that makes me really good with spatial and visual awareness so I think when I was at school it was quite comforting to have the understanding that oh that's why I do certain things and when I was at school I got extra time in my exams and I got a computer and I was happy to have that Mm -hmm. but I never saw it as a disability even to the point where I was at a conference recently and someone I knew just as a throwaway comment said that they they had a PA and that they got them through the access to business grant because they're dyslexic and I was like well I've heard of access to business but I thought well I'm not disabled in any way I don't even see my hearing loss as a disability Mm. I would love to have a, a virtual assistant paid for by access to business because actually my inbox is in my email can sometimes get a little bit overflowing and I know I'm slower at reading uh-huh. uh, if someone sends me reams of text mm-hmm. I don't bother reading I just ring them up I could read it but it, I'm just slow so again you don't know what you don't know this is just how I've always lived my life mm-hmm. uh, but there must be things that it kind of I'm slow at writing emails to people and maybe things like that, but I'm phenomenal at visual. I don't. So, you know, it's just understanding how my brain works. And I'm still, even now as an adult, still understanding that. Yeah. 
I think because uh, you, you talked about, you know, as you mature and you, you've you learned resilience and also you're more comfortable in your own skin. I, I think that you also learn, I think, that it's how something is perceived. And, and, and you talked about looking at it as if it's a bonus not something to be concerned about so I thought yeah that's really yeah. positive yeah, yeah. I, I do think how you perceive something it's it's crucial um yeah. so I, I kind of see it as a, a superpower yeah we're, I mean we're so used to aren't we talking about you know like someone with hearing problems as disabled you know and that kind of yeah yeah and but I think you know the edu- it's interesting now being a mum and having daughters who are in secondary school to my eldest two and and I see a lot of my traits in my eldest daughter and so we're kind of working through that with her mm. and seeing how actually so she's pretty much identical to me and that her spelling is rubbish her reading is slow but she's academically very bright but just doesn't always answer the questions in exams at the right speed and so yeah. I'm kind of revisiting it all now through my children yes I just remember thinking that you know if a doctor can't draw it, no one says that's a problem <laughs> but if an artist can't do you know do a bit of maths all of a sudden that's a huge problem yes. because there's there is a lower value of creativity than the core English and math so our education system is set up for a particular type of academia and actually there are different forms of intelligence and yes and and I I don't know what the solution is but I know that if you don't fit into that academic solution at school it can be quite crushing and I see a lot of adults say oh I'm not creative and just because an art teacher said they couldn't draw yes actually as soon as somebody says no but you are and you can all of a sudden Mm. They change their perception and they can do something that they mm. just shut down because of a negative comment so mm. it's kind of going a little bit off off on a tangent there but it's no, quite no, interesting, interesting. Yeah. no I get it totally because I've never thought that I was creative but a few years ago went on a silk painting course and did several as a result and hand painted my own silk scarves and I absolutely loved it. It was really great. And yeah, I'm not very creative, I don't think. But years and years ago, I could paint faces. So I would be able to apply makeup. And I used to do lots and lots of wedding makeups and all those kinds of things. I've got certificates in it and, and, and yeah. years ago, you know. So so I think there is a creativity in people, isn't there? You know, how how it manifests itself you know so yeah so do you think your mindset has been really important to you over the years because you know I've got like two sheets of notes on you and it almost fills one A4 sheet with the kind of all the things you have achieved (laughs) and so you know you're in no way disabled or what's the word disadvantaged I don't think because you've gone on to achieve such a lot. I, I do wonder sometimes if I might be high-performing ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I've always been quite prolific. And I think 
I always have lots of, it's a strength and a weakness, but I tend to thrive when I've got a lot of things on. And whether that's my coping strategy of allowing different parts of my brain to be active or doing different things, I've always done it. I look back, you know, all through my schooling, I've just always done lots of things. And so on the surface, it looks like I can do a lot. I've just, but then with that, I've had to just be very organized and learn some things good is good enough that was a good lesson my husband taught me you know I think particularly women want to do everything to the best of our ability and I do but sometimes good is good enough yeah Um, I get that yeah and so so there's things I've had to get quicker at better at more efficient at being a mum you get sucked of all time I can do more five minutes for the hoover now than I could before I had kids you know you just learn to to use your time more efficiently um Mm. yeah you always make a priority you make time for what's important yeah Uh, so I always want to make time for my family and and the important things in life so tell me about the Christian Creative Network and the directory that you created because this is just another kind of businessy thing that you just you know in your spare time thought you'd do (laughs) (laughs) well it's it's taking more of my spare time now but so when my youngest so when I started my business it was me working from home I loved it but it's it's very isolating and I remember when my youngest was more in full-time nursery I had a bit more capacity I don't think you ever quite get your time back as a parent but I I definitely have more capacity I started going to a a business network Uh, it was called networking mummies it was just mums who worked from home and so I was drawn to that like-mindedness being around others who would understand the struggles of being a mum with small kids I was genuinely surprised how much I grew in that time how my business grew but I grew and I gained friends and Mm. so I I kind of was introduced to this world of networking Uh, and it was very grassroots and it was once a month but after about three and a half years I felt really impressed that we needed this kind of network for Christians who were creative so I worked with the director of that network and kind of we launched this model Christian Creative Networks it's essentially a business networking model and the vision was to champion creativity in the church because there was a time when the church was leading the way with you know stained glass fine art sculpture hymn and people would look to the church for this wonderful creative excellence I don't look around now and see that so there there was this discrepancy and, and there were kind of historical reasons for that but the point was to get together local creatives And so we have seven branches in the UK and they have a branch leader and they gather together local Christian creatives to network, to support and encourage. And the vision was always three pronged to have a network, a directory and recognition awards. We're not there with the awards, but in 2021, during lockdown, I'd attracted seed funding to build the Christian creative directory. And so it's a sister project. They both have the same mission, but the directory Simply, creatives can sign up, create their own listing, and it connects these Christian creatives with the wider church nice. businesses and charities that, that need them. And if you're a church and you need a new website, there's a real benefit in having someone who's empathetic to the language and the audience and the culture. Mm-hmm. But as a Christian, and I'm a designer, I don't, in any of my marketing, say I'm a Christian. So yeah. we kind of beg the question, well, where do people who need a Christian creative find them? Because we're not marketing ourselves as Christian. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, that's simply the gap in the market. So it's very niche, 
but uh, that's the gap that that we've tried to create fill rather with the directory and we advertise jobs and opportunities on their creative jobs and opportunities as well so and so that that's kind of the network and the directory and, and oh. hopefully in the future awards <laughs> that's brilliant Oh, okay. So have you got some top tips for us then for listeners who are not sure that they're getting enough return from their website? They might have a logo already if they've got a website and got some of this marketing stuff in the background. So have you got some tips? Yeah, I guess particularly for websites is that it needs to optimize for devices so you know a lot of traffic nowadays is on mobile devices so if your website doesn't optimize and reformat for your device then it's no one's going to look at it if you've got content on there that you were when you started you went oh we're going to blog and we do this and we do that and you've not done anything since then I would probably take it off because it just shows that you've not done anything Mm. less is more understand who your key audience is because no business can serve everyone there is a target for every business and you have to understand the problem you're solving and answer that question first and foremost on the site a lot of clients come to me and they'll say we do this but really you've got to talk about yourself from the consumer's point of view what problem are you solving for them Mm. what's the answer they're looking for yeah and so rather than saying i build websites i could say i create i design solutions because they're looking they need solutions everyone knows they need a website they know you know you can find products but what particular solution are you solving so that is crucial and then make the main thing Mm. don't get distracted test in the marketplace you know we think everything has to be perfect when it goes out it doesn't and websites evolve you know i've built a website recently for a client that it's their second version because the first version their business was starting out since then a bit business is different everything evolves in the supply and demand you you don't always know who you are when you start but more into it you do so just allow things to evolve with you we live in a a world now where we used to talk about a landscape changing i don't think there's any landscapes anymore it's all a seascape everything's changing so much the world the economy the covid everything changes so fast so it's more important to just do something than nothing and work your way along as you go i do think though by cheap by twice if if you want to do something well it is worth investing in a website it can be a cost a brand it can be a cost but it's actually if you view it as an investment because it will a good brand a good website good communication will return on that investment and actually a lot of businesses come to me because they've maybe tried to do it themselves and there's a place for self-build sites for doing something just to get going but then next level might be that they come to myself Mm. and we, we evolve what they've already got and just take it to the next level that's kind of just even thinking like that can kind of help you if if you're yes. in a business. yeah yeah because usually when you start you're you know your finances are a bit tight yeah and um, so you might only be able to afford to you know put together a page and you might do it yourself and that kind of thing yeah and then as, as things start to develop it's yeah it's good to kind of update and things like that isn't it yeah it is yes and I would say in website terms you know three to four years is is a long time yeah and businesses grow involved in that time 
having a, an understanding or a budget for SEO helps search engine optimization because you can have the most beautiful looking website, but it's a bit like having a shop in the desert. <laughs> if no one can get to it, it doesn't matter how nice your shop looks, they need to be able to find it. So the optimization of your site is it's just what even if you don't really understand it, it's worth just allocating a budget for it. And there's a lot of stuff online that you can learn yourself. I try and be as generous as I can with my information, helping clients, because mm. ultimately I, I'm in the business of helping people and it just yeah. happened to, to do it through creative means. Yes. It's, it's so rewarding to, I mean, every business solves a problem. It's so rewarding to see that you can bring a solution to someone and especially for a, a business if they're just starting for so long, it's all been in their head. Mm. But when they see their business either on a business card or a flyer or a website. Yeah. Then you go, oh, I'm a real business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I love working with sole traders because I can really make a big influence. But I work with, you know, blue chip companies as well. And you have a, it's a different sphere of influence. I just like helping people. Brilliant. I think we could talk all afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk with you all afternoon. Should we stay talking? <laughs> Josie, it's been really interesting. Thank you. And thank you for sharing all that about, you know, the challenges that you've overcome and the Christian Creative Network and and what you do to help find the solutions, you know, to produce the solutions for people. So it's been really interesting about that and design. So thank you. So Boardroom Buddies listeners, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Please press the subscribe button and then you'll know when the next ones are out. Um, so, yeah. And as you can see from Josie's background, we have a, a Christmas tree in the background. So you'll know what time of year it is. So I hope when this podcast goes out, it will be, in fact, after Christmas. But we hope that you've had a safe and healthy and wonderful Christmas in this year. So, thanks a lot. Till next time. I do hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Boardroom Buddies podcast. Do subscribe for more podcasts and it would be lovely if you shared it on your favourite podcast platform. If you have any questions or you would like to talk any more on the topic, then do connect with me on LinkedIn or email me on jax, that's J-A-X, at jackiekc.consulting. And thanks for listening.